Hello, everyone. Welcome to the latest episode of the Nordic Football Podcast. I'm Steve Wiss, and I'm joined by Jonathan for Dugba for our usual weekly edition here. Jonathan, it's good to see you as always, my friend, or certainly hear from you anyway. Um, what did you make of uh, things in, in the last week? Hi, Steve. Hi, everybody. Thank you, and good to see you. Um, I'm quite happy at the moment because uh, I'm going to go straight into it on the Patreon. Uh, patreon.com slash Nordic Football Podcast. We've absolutely smashed it this week, haven't we? We've had five out of six predictions that uh, came off. So if anyone enjoys that show or if you're a subscriber and you like the show, we've we've, we've tipped quite a lot of games this week that have come off. And just in general, it feels like we've got quite a good um, sort of reading of the league at this moment in time, doesn't it? I think, I think we're kind of, our perception and our insight is, is, is quite quite good. Um, leads me on to the Malmo of the discussion because, uh, you know, we talked about it off camera, didn't we, a few, a few times, how... Um, and even on the podcast, we've talked about it with Milojevic. You know, I've said I've said on the show in the past that I think it might end badly. And obviously, that's the big news of the week, isn't it? So it just feels to me like we're kind of in a good sort of um, rhythm at the moment on the podcast. And hopefully you as a listener uh, and you yourself, Steve, hopefully you're also feeling that way because I feel like we're in good form at the moment. We certainly are in very good form. Uh, it was a very good uh, Patreon weekend preview. Also, there was uh, a player profile, uh, Johan Hover that I did on Friday for the patrons. And uh, there'll be some more of those coming up very soon indeed. So uh, uh, thanks very much to anyone who supported us on there throughout the whole year. Uh, by the way, I really appreciate it. So um, I'm going to go straight into uh, this Malmo situation. There's been a managerial uh, sacking here. Uh, you're going to tell us all about that. Uh, but there's actually been a question from Luis de la Meda. Uh, thank you very much indeed for your support of the podcast, Luis. At the time of this question, Malmo has yet to appoint their new manager in what has been a rather inconsistent season for them. Based on what you've been following around Europe or bold suggestions, could you suggest a short list of three names they should consider and why? But firstly, just go into this uh, sacking, how it came about, because it really was on the back of a shocking European uh, being knocked out of Europe. I've not actually seen that question. Is that on Twitter? Yep, that is on Twitter. (laughs) <laughs> I'll have a little look. I've missed it. Um, but yeah, no, the big news, of course, as I say, Malmo uh, have released their manager, um, Milos Milojevic, from his duties, as you've just mentioned there. Um, it's all gone pear-shaped. Uh, Steve, I'm still waiting for your clip maybe on uh, on what I said about him several times on this podcast in the past few months. It's just, you know, I don't like to get on anyone's back for, for any reason, but it's just had a bit of an off feel to it, I think, from from... I wouldn't say day one, but from fairly early on, I think Malmo's form hasn't been great. Um, problem in football is obviously who do you blame for that? You know, is it is it the manager? Is it the club in general? But at the end of the day, as we know in football, oftentimes the manager gets gets the stick for it. Um, so you know, I'm not saying it's entirely Milojevic's fault or whatever, but uh, at the end of the day, kind of when the results aren't going well, it's the manager who falls on his sword. You know, if you look at it, they've had some tough results, even from sort of day two, I think, uh, against Elsborg, they drew, they drew at Varnamo early on. Um, they had three straight defeats recently in May. And 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 from then, even though in the league they've won five out of six games, they lost at Giftsundsvall, you know, a bit of a nightmare there. And, and just in general, it's not felt right. Something's just not been quite right about them. Um, and, of course, it all went horribly wrong uh, last week when they played Zagiris in the conference league and uh, sorry in the champions league qualifier and they lost two in the at home um now i think i'm right in saying it was nine to one for zagiris to win this match and i'm actually kicking myself because i've said 
any listeners on this podcast this season, I've been saying repeatedly, I don't think they will get in the Champions League and I think they'll go out early. I thought even in the previous round against, uh, I think it was Viking or that they might suffer. Um, they nearly got knocked out then and even against 10 men, they struggled at home um, and they just sort of scraped through. Of course, Zalgiris, anyone would expect them to beat Zalgiris, but they've, they've, they've gone out and it didn't surprise me at all. Uh, a goal from Oyewusi and Renan um, made it 2-0 at home and 3-0 on aggregate, which is just shocking. Um, after that game, a lot of supporters on, on social media and things like that were telling Malmo, uh, you know, tweeting Malmo and saying, get rid of get rid of your manager, get get rid of the manager as soon as possible. And pretty much a few days later they did. Uh, so he's been relieved of his duties. Andreas Georgsen, who's sort of the sporting director, formerly of Arsenal, by the way, he used to uh, work at Arsenal. He's back at the club now and he will take over temporary charge. And um, in terms of the timing of it, of course, Malmo haven't been having a great season, but they've had, they've made quite a lot of, they've made a lot of transfer business um, in the last few weeks, as we mentioned on last week's show. And they're only three points off the title. So probably from their point of view, maybe quite a good time to to make a move if they're going to make a move because they're still well within it. They're still in Europe, of course. They've got a game this week now, but they won't be in obviously the Champions League. Um, so maybe from their point of view, this was probably the time to pull the trigger. Uh, and also they had no game this weekend just passed as well. So they had a little rest. Um, and maybe from that point of view, it's best for all parties that they move on. What sort of manager do they need, do you think? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, there's rumours that Henrik Riedström will they might go for him again from Kalmar. Um, I've written a Wisecout blog about Riedström and I've described him as one of the best managers in in Sweden for his tactical, um, the way he builds sort of possession based game. Um, he's done really exciting things with Kalmar over the last year or so. Will they go in for him again? There's a school of thought that maybe at the moment it's not the right time. He'd he'd want a full preseason and he wouldn't want to go in mid-season because he likes to implement his game style. You know, he's got a very sort of clear identity in terms of how he, how he wants to play football, very possession-based. Um, so that might not be the one for now. There was a rumour about Rickard Norling even at one point. Uh, who suits them? I mean, it's hard to say really. Malmo tend to have good options because they're such a big club for, for in Scandinavia in general. I mean, I even saw some Malmo fans talking about Tietil Knutsen and, you know, sort of saying, we're big enough to, we're bigger than Buda Glimp, so why don't we go and take their manager? Uh, that's kind of a, a bit of a debate as well from some Malmo fans. Um, and I kind of get the rationale. You know, they've, they've got a way bigger budget than Buda Glimp, I imagine. Um, and it would be a case of would Knutsen maybe want to go there? Um, but, you know, in terms of the insight from the Malmo fans, what they're thinking, they want the top cream of the cream. They want the best of the best. You know, they've just had Yondel Thomason. Uh, so he got a win, by the way, Steve, uh, Blackburn first game. So your prediction that he'll get sacked, let's see how that goes. But, um, I saw yeah. all that. I did see that. It made me laugh. <laughs> he started well. Laugh. So, um, but yeah, the, the point I'm making is that they have they have options. You know, Thomason came from from obviously Danish and Dutch football. So Malmo is a big job. Um, it's just a case of who will, who will want to take the mid season. The one rumor that's going around actually, Steve, uh, is uh, about Per Matis Hogmo from Hacken. Now, there's little reports swirling around I've seen in the last day or so saying that they might approach him and that he has a release clause in his contract at Hacken. Now that would be that would send shockwaves through the title race, to be honest, because not only would that derail Hacken, who are who are second at this moment in time, one point off the top. Um, of course, that might be to Malmo's advantage and help them in the, in the league. He's done a fantastic job there at Hacken, making them, you know, they were pretty much towards the bottom of the table when he joined. Um, and he's taken them now to re, re completely revitalize the team. And this season they're now challenging. So he's an experienced manager, of course. He's 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 been around the block in Scandinavia. Maybe he'd 
fancy it. You know, it's a, it's a in terms of infrastructure, it's a bigger club than Hacken. So I don't really have an answer for you at this moment in time, but those are just one or two of the names floating around. Yeah, and Flying Dutchman um, on Twitter also asked a question, was Milojevic the right appointment to begin with, considering the success that Jan Dahl Tomlinson had? He also goes on to ask, was uh, Hecken Elfsborg the most exciting game in Asvenskan this year? I'm sure we'll be talking about that in a minute. But finally, on Milojevic, do you ba- I know he actually won a trophy in fairness, the Swedish Cup, but they, they got that appointment wrong, really, haven't they? Um, well, that's talking in hindsight. I think it's, you know, you can't, I mean, in, in hindsight, yes, but you, you can't predict that it's going to go wrong, can you? I think I said it in the season preview show that I, I predicted them to win the title, but my feeling was with Milojevic, it could go either way. Um, he has got, unfortunately, a bit of a track record at his clubs of kind of ending badly and falling out with people. Um, it ended really badly with him at Hammerby, of course, when he was found to go and interview for Rosenborg job. Um, I think in the other previous clubs as well, he's been at, um, I think in Serbia as well and, and places like that. It's not, it's kind of ended under a bit of a cloud, let's say. Um, it was always going to be tough taking over from, from Thomason because as I've said, I think Thomason did a brilliant job at Malmö. Let's not forget Uwe Rosler had, you know, didn't really, if you compare Rosler with Milojevic, you know, Milojevic was won, won a trophy at least, I suppose, and and kind of did make a good fist of it and hasn't had, a, you know, much time, 16 games plus Europe. It's not a huge amount of, time to implement any kind of style so you can kind of argue to a certain extent is that you know it should did he deserve more time at the same time though I think there were warning signs early on in the season like I said you know the, the against Varnamo against, against Gifsun's foul the three defeats in a row I think also uh, this whole muscle injury thing MFF you know muscle injury FF the kind of just a lot of injuries and, and there were rumors and reports maybe that he'd been overworking players in pre-season and, and things like that and Malmo, there's a lot of big players, big egos at the club. It's it's not it's it's probably the club in Sweden with the most kind of attitude, if you know what I mean, in terms of like they want the best and, and their players might speak out if they're not getting the best. I think um, you don't maybe get that in some other clubs in Sweden. But Malmo, they have a big mentality of a club, you know what I mean? And, and it, even though they're only three points off it, it's kind of not acceptable how the season's gone so far. You know, they've only scored 22 goals in 16 games, which is poor. Um, so... I mean, in hindsight, yes, it obviously wasn't the right decision because they've they've all fallen out and, and he's left. But at the same time, he'd probably argue he won a trophy and, and needed more time. And, and of course, they've just made some signings. So, you know, maybe the squad wasn't good enough as well. It's, it's not only the manager, but um, yeah, all in all, it's just kind of ended with a bit of a sour taste. And I never I never felt confident in Europe that they'd go far. And I just think that it has had a bit of a stench about it from day one that kind of was it exactly the right move. So I'm not surprised at all, but it's a sad ending. And uh, let's see how Georgson does, because they've still got, obviously, a European game this week to focus on. Yeah, kind of uh, turbulent times at Malmo there with the managerial, but it was actually quite a good week for them on the field, wasn't it? Even though they weren't in action, because uh, rivals um, for the title of both slipped up, Hammerby and uh, Hecken. We've got to start with this Hecken match. And I've got to say, Jonathan, I don't think I've ever won a plus 0.25 Asian handicap bet or half won one with a four-all draw ever in my life. I can't ever been, remember being involved in a four-all draw very often in my life. But this was absolutely patchy mental football, wasn't it? Um, Elfsborg four, Hecken four. I mean, we haven't got that long, but <laughs> to, uh, break this one down for us. Yeah, I mean, where, where do we go? Right. Um... Great defending. 
No, no, not great defending. Uh, obviously, this was my prediction on the weekend preview show. I said that I thought Hacken would get something from this game. Um, and you kindly guided me to the Asian handicaps. Um, so it was a team effort there on that one. Well done, mate. Um, you know, in terms of flying Dutchman's question at Yanazai, at Yanazai Stan, um, you know, was it the most exciting game in Osvenskin all year? I think it was the most active game. It was the most crazy game in terms of like, you know, I was live tweeting this on Twitter and it was like, you, you'd barely finish your tweet before something else had happened. You know, it was like, it was so frantic. It was impossible to get any kind of composure, um, if you know what I mean. But to me, good games are high quality games. And, and I actually felt this was, I wouldn't say a poor quality game, but I thought there were so many mistakes and just bad, bad like defending that I can't call it a quality game, if that makes sense. I didn't come out of it feeling like, oh, what a game I've seen. I've, I came out of it feeling like this is, it's a bit shambolic at times. Um, you know, that word shambolic is what I wrote down in the first 15 minutes to describe Hacken's defending. You know, first 15, I mean, ta- from a tactical point of view, the wingers were 10 yards too high. Um, Blair Turger and Ali Youssef, that left so much space in midfield. Um, obviously, Gustav Bergen, he's left now. He's been sold, I think, to, to Czech Republic. Um, you, I think you'll confirm that for me, Steve. Oh, just the name's just uh, lost me. Um, but Aman, Aman Romeo came in. Now, he's a new signing that we talked about in preseason, but he's, you know, he's not played many games in, in Osvenskan. I thought the midfield was just way off it in the first half. They were really slow. They weren't alert at all. So this meant that Elfsborg had so much space in central midfield areas, Steve, to build from. It was like you got the ball and, and you felt like you were on planet Mars or something. You know, the amount of the amount of wide open space you could see your player in to run into. Um, and so, you know, they scored obviously first uh, early. Um, then Holman with, a, you know, one of his, I think it was his debut, in fact, um, back at, in, in Elfsborg anyway, he gave the ball away uh, for one all. It was another, it was a lapse in concentration. Um, they're Elfsborg trying to build from the back and, and, and they did it really, really badly. Um, then Good Jonsson clipped in a lovely ball for Alm to make it 2-1. Good Jonsson had a good game, by the way. I had a Good Jonsson's son. Um, he was very lively, goal and assist. It was just mad. And obviously the, the, the game was kind of marked by the two halves. You know, the beginning of the first half was, was crazy. And then the beginning of the second half was crazy. We've got to also bear in mind, Yermayev, he's already outscored. Like He's already scored as many as the top goal scorer in the entire of last season now. I think he got his 18th goal of the season, banged a hat-trick. Um, he's just looking razor sharp at this moment in time. He, he's been absolutely brilliant. Uh, so there, were, there was so much going on in this game, Steve, that it was it was really hard to sort of, uh, you know, you, you couldn't you couldn't take your eye off it really. Um, but yeah, I didn't think it was a huge high quality. Um, there was a, it also ended under a bit of a cloud, which I have to mention. That I think a supporter or someone collapsed at the end of the game. Um, so they actually ended the game without it really ending. Uh, there was a long long break in the sort of ninety third fourth minute. And it's one of those harrowing scenes. Scene, you know, everyone was running so every, everyone was running towards the touchline, and you were like, you were wondering what's going on. And the managers came onto the pitch, and it was like, you didn't really know what was happening. It was a bit worrying, to be honest. So it, it kind of ended in a in a bit of a, a down way as well. I think. Um, hopefully, the the fan or whoever it was is okay. But um, yeah, it was just just so many things going on. It was hard to sort of uh, take your eye off it. I couldn't believe when I saw the highlights of this game the the, the defensive errors and mistakes, which was a shambles. And um, there's absolutely no way Hecken can win this title if they defend like that. Not a prayer, Jonathan, in my opinion. Only four teams in the league have conceded more goals than Hecken. 25 goals conceded in 16 games. They score a lot of goals, which is a good thing. But I just, I mean, where do you see them finishing at this from this point in time? Because I've got to be honest, it's just based on 
how I see teams, for me, they'll be down in fifth. Well, I think I came out of this game feeling that they won't win the title. Um, else, but I, I, you know, like I say, we, you know, my prediction was they'll get something. But I, I, to be honest, I, I actually felt a little bit lucky at the end of the game that they got something. Um, and I think Hacken fans probably might feel the same way. They're ty- they have times where they blitz teams. They have times where they look so good. Uh, and then they just have times where they just fall apart. I mean, the defending was, it wasn't really the defence's fault. It was more the midfield, the openness. You know, if you've got that much space to play into, you're, you're just asking for trouble. It was, it was ridiculous. Um, other bad news for Hacken is that Ali Youssef was out for the season. Now, if you remember last week, Steve, I mentioned when we talked about the debrief about their game last week, I actually mentioned him specifically and said he looked really lively when he came off the bench um, against Eurogarden. Uh, he started this game, earned his start, and then he got injured, and and he's out for the season. Apparently, they've announced tonight, which is really sad because I, I really like Yusuf. I think he's going to be a really good player, and um, he was just sort of starting to heat up, if that makes sense. He looked like he was just starting to, be, you know, get on form and and earn his place in the team again. Um, so I, I felt a bit sorry for him there as well. Will they win the title? It's uh, I don't think so. If I'm being honest, um, they've got a decent run to be fair coming from now. So. Can they just continue to blow teams away? And you know, Yermiyev has nearly double the next goal scorer, top goal scorer in the league. Now I know he takes penalties, but that's just an incredible. He is on fire at the moment. It's like, you know, I think they need to call him CR Seven Yermiyev or something like that. You know what I mean? It's, he's just he's just on fire. Uh, every single chance he's burying it. And um, when you've got at this moment in time the best striker in the league banging goals in for fun, you you can't write a team out. But the defensive shape is poor. And I think another thing, Johan Hammer is apparently linked with teams abroad as well. So he's one of their defenders and, and, and obviously they've sold Berger now. Uh, you didn't tell me the team, but it's Rakov Chestochova. Uh, he's been a really solid midfielder for them. The 24 year old, he's played over 200 games for them. I remember him when I was in Sweden, he was really, he was kind of young then and, and, and sort of coming into the team, but you know, he's been there for a long time now, become a stalwart. And I, I think they missed him in this game. In fact, I, th- I thought that just the midfield balance was all off. So they, they're going to have to work on that midfield shape. Um, from Elsborg's point of view, disappointing again, really, in terms of how they defended it. At times going forward, they looked phenomenal. Uh, like I say, Good Johnson was really good. Alm at times, Andrejka came on and scored a great goal. I think Michael Baidu is someone I mentioned in preseason and on a preview show as well uh, on Patreon. I think he's someone to keep an eye on. He he did quite well here, got an assist um, and and looked quite lively. But you know, Elsborg are just sort of uh, still in ninth and, and not really not really getting the job done defensively. They're just so open. They do have Nicholas Holt and Simon Holman, but like I said, Holman made a mistake um, for the goal. It's such a bad mistake if you watch the highlights. But um, yeah, I mean, Hacken now, they, if they'd won that game, they'd have gone top of the table. They're now one point behind Uruguay with, with 14 games left, 16 games played. They are the top scorers in the league, but they've conceded more goals than Helsingborg, who are second from bottom. So that really tells you everything you need to know about this Hacken team. Yeah, a four-all draw, incredible game of football and uh, to be fair not actually a shock result because Elfsborg believe it or not kicked off nearly even money favourites in this game so um, you could say it was a shock that uh, Elfsborg didn't win it, according to the odds anyway but I'll tell you where there was a really big shock and that was in Stockholm Hammerby were one to three favourites to beat Varnamo and they lost two goals to one this match here, I actually kind of felt sorry for anyone who had backed under 2.5 goals in this game, Jonathan, because it was nil-nil with 13 minutes left. And it's ended up at 2-1. So um, Marcus Antonsen with a brace of goals, including a last-minute winner, really good finish, actually. But uh, this is a really bad result for Hammerby, isn't it? Because 
you, everyone expected him to get the three points fairly comfortably against Varnamo, but what a timely result for Varnamo. We we had their assistant manager on the podcast last week that you did a great interview with, David Cellini, and he will be absolutely delighted with this result, won't he? Yeah, and I loved um, I loved Lewis the Almeida's comment. I think uh, going back to Louise again, you're getting a good, you're getting some shouts on this show this week, uh, Louise. Um, I thought that uh, I really enjoyed his comment saying this sort of tactical analysis of the game. Um, he said that you know it was great to see Varnamo take such a hard-fought victory. They showed a lot of spirit and hard work that David Cellini shared with us in the last episode. Um, while Elsborg, I expected more from them this year. And he also commented um, when I was sort of live tweeting the game, and he said something about how. Um, you know, the hard work and the non-negotiable desire to play competitively against anyone um, is what stands out for Varnamo. So thanks, Louise. It's good to know people are listening. And I hope you enjoyed that interview with David Cellini because I felt he broke it all down perfectly. And if you haven't listened to that interview, I really recommend it, especially if you like the coaching side of football, if you like the tactical side of it, because he really breaks down a lot of things. We talked about evolutions of tactics, where football's going. Uh, it was a really fascinating discussion. And I came out of it thinking to myself, Varnamo are going to be fine this season. I, I don't think they're going down. Um, Hammerby were massive favourites for this game. I think I saw at one point Varnamo 13-1 to one to win the match. Uh, and, and yet they won the match. And they even and obviously they had to, you know, deal with, um, you know, the, the the what happened in the game in terms of, you know, the equaliser from Basara, 89th minute penalty. You're thinking that Malmo, uh, sorry, you're thinking that Hammerby are going to come in and, you know, last few minutes really dominate them. Um, and the thing is, this game was on at the same time as Elsborg Hackens, Steve. So it was like I, I couldn't keep, I couldn't, I didn't know where to look at one point. It's just absolutely mad the ending to this game and and, and that the other game. Antonsen with two more goals. He's now I think the second top scorer in the league. Uh, he's been phenomenal. And his second goal was just was just quality, a quality counter attack. But well, in fact, both goals were quality, just clinical finishing. Um, but the second goal was unbelievable. You know, just walloped it top quarter, walloped it into the net on a counter attack. Just sweet connection with a cross absolutely perfect smashes it in to win the game in the 90th minute um Nahir Basara actually came out afterwards and said it's difficult to play against teams who sit back with every single one player in the penalty area a little bit salty uh on Hammerby's part I saw some comments from AIK fans who were very happy about this game saying that uh Robin Teehee or Agent Teehee as they're calling him at the moment got a win for Varnamo against against Hammerby of course um and it's their second win against Hammerby, don't forget, because they've did they've done a double over them this season, which is absolutely unbelievable if you listen to the interview and you listen to the budget at Varnamo. They've got two, I think two or three tops full-time staff um, compared to these huge organisations like Hammerby and, and Malmo. So for them to be doing the double over a team like Hammerby is just absolutely just unbelievable and and and, and it's fully deserved because tactically they're a very, very intelligent, smart team. And um, although I was surprised by the result, I'm not surprised having spoken to David Cellini because there's good things going on at Varnema. Hammerby uh, had an expected goals of 2.68 in this game. Varnemo just 1.02. So they've actually had quite a bit of luck here in the XG terms, although they've been rather unlucky. Um, who, those who listen but, to but a penalty is going to increase their XG by how much? I yeah, 0.76. Yeah, so. so it's still quite convincing, but... Yeah, I mean, it's a hell of a win for them. You've got to give them a lot of credit. What what sort of damage does this do for Hammerby's title challenge? Because uh, they've really let slip a fantastic opportunity there. Yeah, it's like you just said, Steve. I think, um, you know, you said it was a good weekend for Malmo and it's a good weekend for ARK and Jurgen as well, who, haven't, who didn't play. You know, at the end of the day, if you look at the table now, without those games in hand, it's now kind of like 
you're really looking at ARK Malmo and Zyogarden now with three points. Um, obviously, Malmo are three points behind Zyogarden, who are top, and, and ARK are two points behind Zyogarden, who are top. You're now looking at those teams and thinking, you know, crack on. I think Hammerby, I said it on last week's show, I just think they've they've missed too many opportunities. There was no GAs in this game because obviously he's he's in maybe in the middle of a transfer and um, they brought in David Concha, they brought in a few other players as well, new players. Uh, Barisha came on uh, late in the game to try and maybe get a winner. But And and by the way, the penalty was really soft. I, I don't actually think it was a penalty. So um, they kind of had a little bit of a lifeline even then and then went and just gave it away straight away. So I just feel that they're making too many errors, Hammerby. And, and if you actually look at it, you know, I haven't looked at the XG um, this week in terms of in the league, how they're doing, but they've scored 31 goals and they've conceded 13. That's that's the sort of team that you'd think to yourself, they, they should be right up there. Um, but they're just kind of, there's just too many games not going their way that are swinging away from them. You know, like Ivanamo doing the double overview, things like that. Just little games where you, you feel like they should should be doing slightly better and you don't get too many more opportunities. You know, Malmo and ARK and Yurgan haven't been amazing this season. And, uh, you know, I think the first five games of the season, Hammerby looked like the best team in the league. But since then, they've just kind of, they've only won four games, I think, in the last, what, like 11, I think, in the league. Am I right in saying? Yeah, they, um, st- they started like a train, didn't they? Yeah, but they, so just, they have dropped points recently. Yeah, yeah, they've dropped a lot of points. You know, that's a lot of points to drop. So, it's a similar thing with Hacken. You know, you don't get too many opportunities to to, to sort of crack on. The next game is Gisunsville at home. They should win that. Um, but they've got to go to ARK. They've got Yurgan coming up in September. They've got North Shopping away, Elsborg away. But not too many other sort of big games. I know there's one game, I think, to be rescheduled. But um, I just think that they are letting a few things slip when they should really be hammering home some of these teams. Um, but I can't let that take away anything from Varnamo because I, I think Varnamo are a very, very good team. And and, and let's be fair, Steve, they've done this to other teams. You know, they should have got something from the ARK game last week, but for some uh, comedy errors, they got something from Malmo as well. Varnamo are a very good team and tactically up there with some of the best, I think, in terms of the manager. Yeah, well done to Varnamo for an excellent uh, result there. Now we're going to move to Monday evening's game between EFK, Jotteborg and... Um, nor shipping uh, because we're going to talk about both teams now. Now, no one's really um, been on about EF Core too much uh, recently, but they have actually won five of the last seven games, Jonathan. They're silently moving up the table to as high as sixth now. Maybe even a dark horse for a medal spot. Who knows? But um, take us through this game. And uh, I know EF Core have been quite impressed. You've been impressed with them recently, certainly at home. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll start by pouring cold water on that. They're not going to win the medal. Uh, they're not going to finish top three. Oh. I can pretty much guarantee that. Um, especially after you've been calling Mickey Stara. You know, you're not a fan of Stara. I, I don't think they. I don't think that will happen. But what I will say about EF Core is they, like you say, they're going under the radar and and they're looking very good. Um, I know part of this is because they've just played North Shopping twice, and North Shopping, I'd say, in terms of form, they're one of the worst teams in the league at this moment in time. They're having a horrendous time of it. So you've got that caveat, I suppose. But at the same time, um, I thought you've called it really good this evening. Uh, I really did. Um, Hussein Khan Neal is an 18-year-old that we talked about, Steve. Uh, he might be 19 now, is he? But anyway, he's very young. Um, no, he's still 18. Am I right? Yeah, no, he's 19. Sorry, he's 19. <laughs> um, but he's someone that we picked out on. I picked out on the season preview show, didn't I? As a 10 to watch. Yeah, he was a nice goal, wasn't it? 
Afghan immigrant and, uh, who fled to Sweden. Um, obviously, that it's always interesting, the backstories of these players. Um, born in Kabul, um, moved to Sweden. Obviously, Sweden, very welcoming in, in previous years uh, of refugees, and, and, and they do so much humanitarian work, Sweden, I think, as a country. Um, other European nations maybe don't do as much, but Sweden, obviously, very caring in that sense. Um, he's gone to IFK Jotoborg, that's in a really, he's been able to sort of work on his skill as a young boy um, in their academy and he's come through now and he's looking, he's looking really good, Steve. I think, I think behind the scenes, there's a lot of talk about him. I think there's a lot of um, excitement about him and, you know, we, I, I had him on the 10 to watch. If you go on Patreon and, and go back, you'll see, you can listen to our 10 to watch and, and get all the names there. Some of them already got transfers this, this year, but uh, Carneal's on there and he, he's looking quality. I think him, um, Kevin Jacob and, and uh, Marcus Berg were very good. And also defensively, you know, uh, I thought Jello was brilliant tonight as a, a fullback. I think it won't be long before he maybe gets a move because uh, I think he is looking good. Um, and they secured a 2-0 win. Goals from Jacob and Carneal. This is Carneal's first ever goal in Osvenskan. And like you said, Steve, the way he took it was took it with a plum. I mean, what a hit that was for someone who's only 19. Um, and he's sort of an attacking midfielder, good technique, brave on the ball, confident. Um, someone who likes to run at defenders. He's not afraid to sort of take people on. Uh, I think he's got a big future, actually, Carneal. Um, and Jallo as well, like I said, a real outlet. He put the cross in for the first goal. A uh, bit of a deflection, but uh, Jakob finished it brilliantly with a header. I thought EFCOR pressed the midfield really well in this game. And I, I thought Stara, although sometimes we've been a bit critical of him, I, th I thought the team makeup looked really strong. Good in transitions. Um, he he tactically had them. They pounced on, on North Shopping in midfield and sort of went that, Defence to attacking transition came up when they dispossessed Nor Shopping. They had the likes of Carneal and Jakob to run at defenders, Norlin as well, um, and then Berg to sort of get on the end of chances. Berg smashed the post at one point. Um, and I just thought they were comfortable in this game. You know, I did did predict it on the weekend show as well uh, on Patreon. But yeah, I, uh, they got into that 2 0 lead. Nor Shopping kind of came back into it. But I have to say as well, massive shout has to go to. Um, uh, the goalkeeper as well for EFK Yotobor because he made two brilliant saves um, in this game as well. Uh, firstly, in the just early in the second half, he made an incredible save low to his right and just dived and cleared it away, which was a brilliant save from close range. Um, and then he made a really, really good save, uh, I think 60th minute from Neiman, a really good header that he kept out. And, you know, if one of those goes in, it's 2-1 and, you know, it could be a different game. I think uh, Warner Han, who, who's new, obviously joined this season, I think he's been a really good signing actually the goalkeeper and uh he, he kind of kept the clean sheet for them really with those two brilliant saves so yeah it's, it's, it's going well for uh you've got at this moment in time like i say they've got bigger tests to come and and i think maybe they've, they've played they've had a bit of fortune in terms of who they've played if you look at their sort of last um you know four or five games you know beat Degafors, beat north shopping twice drew with malby Mialbi at home and obviously lost to hammerby three nil so it is kind of, you know, where what's their actual level? But just for the moment in time, with five wins in their last seven, that's that's impressive. Yeah, fair to say he has a safe pair of hands, doesn't he? <laughs> Does the uh, He had a really good game in the reverse fixture as well, I think. Uh, he's, when a, they, he's a very good goalkeeper, by the way. They won two, yeah. He's above all defence game level. I, think I he reckon, was in yeah. Netherlands before that. I, I could see him being in your team in the season, Jonathan. He's been really, in terms of goalkeepers, he's been yeah. under. He's I really think he's, uh, he, Yeah, whenever I've seen him. And and yeah, actually, EF Core have impressed me a bit recently as well. He, Stara, one thing I like about Stara, he's so passionate about the club, it seems. 
He uh, he really loves it when they score a goal. Really gives it his all in that way. Well, that way. So fair play to them for now. Bad news though for Norshipping. I saw you tweeting something uh, that you're a bit worried they might even get sucked into a relegation battle if they're not careful because they need to sort their managerial situation out. Really, really poor from them. Yeah, they've they've just been shambolic. Um, and yeah, I think I tweeted it during this match. I'm, I'm worried about them a little bit actually. I think if they don't buck their ideas up. They could be a outside candidate to be relegated, Steve. I mean, I know I said, I know I predicted them this season, I think 10th. And a lot of people were surprised at that. That raised a lot of eyebrows. Um, a lot of people had them maybe mid-table or upper mid-table. Um, but they're actually surpassing even what I thought they'd do this season. I mean, if you look at it, they've 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 not won a game since May. Um, they beat obviously Gift Sunswell 5-1 in May, but since then they've lost uh five games, drawn three. They've sacked their manager, of course. Uh Norling's gone. Lost three in a row now, back to back against EF Core and then to Malmo. Um, you know, drew at Degaforce, drew at Mialbi. They need to buck their ideas. Like they've got Degaforce at home next, and that that's a big game actually. I think that's a big game. Degaforce have improved a lot in the last few weeks. They beat they beat um, Kalmar, uh, and I was surprised that they did actually. But they've they've made a few signings that have kind of changed, turned their fortunes around a bit. So I don't think they're I don't think they're as much of a lot to go down now as I thought before. You know, I said earlier in the season when they lost, I think, by six against Elsborg, I said I think they're the worst team in the league. They just these signings they've made, Lager Bilka, uh, one or two others as well, they've just come in and and sort of given them a little bit of an impetus. And I think that they might pick up a bit of form now. They're not obviously that win takes them off the top bottom of the league. They're up to fourteenth now. Um, they're five points off North Shopping. If they could beat North Shopping away from home, that would suck them really into it, North Shopping. So I think North Shopping will be fine, but they need to get their new manager sorted out quickly because they're just getting sucked into it now in 12th. Um, and Varnamo are there, there, and I think Varnamo are picking up you know, points. I don't think Varnamo can be underestimated, so I don't think North Shopping can say safely they'd finish above Varnamo. Um, then you're looking at maybe Gif Sundsvall and, and Helsingborg and one other person, so one other team, sorry. So North Shopping needs to sort of just keep an eye on what's going on. Um, we had a question as well from at Scooby Man, uh, Scooby on Twitter, who's a, a follower of ours, um, loyal supporter of the, of the podcast, which we appreciate. Thank you, Scooby Man. He says, can Helsingborg survive the relegation battle? And I do think they can. Um, they didn't play this weekend because of, you know, they, um, the fixtures, there was a reduced slate. But they did get an important win the week before that against Gif Sundsvall 1-0. Now, they go to Hacken next in their next game, which is, is a, I think it's a difficult one for them. We'll see how that one goes. But then after that, they've got serious at home. Sunsfile away, Mialbi at home, and then Varnamo away. Now for Helsingborg, those are some big games. And I think the key, Steve, is going to be, can they keep Armin Djidovic? Because he got the winner against Sunsfile. Obviously, he left to go to Russia and he's back again. Um, you know, before he left, we were, I was raving about him, wasn't I? I think I said at one point, he's a bit like Sami Nazri, like a young Sami Nazri. He reminded me of a little bit, the way he passes and um, the way he gets in between lines and things like that. I remember Sami Nazri at Marseille. He used to be so good at that sort of thing, getting in between the lines, picking it up in pockets, linking play, and then getting on the end of chances. Um, there's a lot of rumours that Djidjewicz will move to Troyes in Ligue 1, uh, your, your territory, Steve. I know you love that league, and I do as well. But um, if that goes through, then that's a big blow for them. But they've made a few signings. The new management team is sort of seems to be gradually improving results, of course. I mean, it's just slowly. You know, they've got a point at Varberg as well. But... Um, I don't think they're out of it. No, I don't think they're out of it to answer that question from, from at Scooby man. So I think they can survive. And that just means, you know, that that means there's one other spot, spot available. Now that's why I say North shopping have to be careful because 
if they, if they don't buck up their ideas, they, Helsingborg and Degerfors, I think their results could improve in the next few weeks. They also lost Ravi Suka to Zulta Varagem in Belgium. I actually had him in my fantasy team for one week. Got me seven nice points. Now he's on his bike. Um, so I don't know how important he was to the club. Former yeah, um, Nantes, come through the Nantes Academy, I do believe, back in the day. So, but yeah, they're probably going to maybe they'll give it their all. It's still uh, up for grabs there down at the bottom of the table uh, for sure. Um, we're going to finish off by talking about uh, a few transfers. Now, the window in in Sweden is close to closing. Um, I think it's only about ten days away. So teams really need to start getting any business done that they need to get done. Yeah, I think by the time uh, we do the next episode, maybe the window might be might be shut. So um, just to maybe sort of recap, we talked about it on last week's show, so I won't go into too much detail, mm. but a couple of transfers, maybe Simon Olsen uh, from Elsborg looks to be moving to the Netherlands here in Veen. He's been a really important player for me. He's, an, he's a bit like what you said about Tsuka, Steve. I brought him in my fantasy team. He got suspended and then he's been sold. So <laughs> a bit of a nightmare transfer for that one, me. Um, but yeah, I think Elsborg are looking to make about a million pounds from him. Uh, maybe they're looking for around one to two, 1.5 million pounds, maybe plus bonuses, which would be good money for them. Uh, he's been a really, really good player for them for many, many years. He's still only 24. Um, so that's a bit of a blow for, for Elsborg, I think, but the money, maybe they can reinvest it and they have got Baidu. Um, they also, uh, have a few other midfielders that they, Elsborg got quite a big squad actually in terms of options. So maybe someone internally will come in uh, and replace him. I met you just mentioned Etsuka. He's gone to Belgium. I think that's a good move. I mean, he I think he stood out this season. Um, he always had the potential in Sweden, and I think this season he's, he's sort of shown it a bit more consistently. So it's bad news for you, I guess. We, you know, on the, on the fantasy front, there. Um, there's a few others. Obviously, we talked about uh, Parisha. He made an interesting comment actually, saying that Norway has a lot to learn about atmospheres and crowd atmospheres because he, he praised the Hammerby crowd. Um, so that's quite an interesting one in terms of taking shots, maybe at the uh, atmosphere in Norway. I think you'll tell me about that one. Um, we're still waiting for Mohamed Mohamed Ye's move hasn't gone through yet. We don't know what's going on there. Uh, Aik have sold Bojan Radulovic, formerly of Brighton. He's gone to HK, HJK Helsinki, so maybe they're freeing up a bit of room for some late business. I think Aik because they haven't been that active, as we talked about on the transfer show last week, um, and then. Yeah, finally, also I've mentioned Bergren, uh, and there's one or two others, but there's not there's not been a huge amount of transfer. So I'd say if you haven't listened to the uh, transfer show from last week, then maybe go back and listen to that because we did cover a lot of them. The the only other one I'd probably mention, uh, I mentioned Isaac Janssen on the last show. The only one I want to mention, maybe in terms of rumours, it looks like uh, Basel of Swi- of uh, are they Switzerland, yeah, Switzerland are looking to maybe try and sign Isaac Heen. Uh, of Jurgarden, the really good centre back at uh, Diff, so that could be a big one. I think he will get a big move eventually. He's a very good defender. Um, and then just on the subject of North shopping, Steve, you know it's looking like Linus Valkovic might leave. Now they've already just lost, uh, they've already just lost um, another player who just came back recently, whose name completely escapes me now, so I won't mention him. <laughs> but um, it looks like Valkovic is maybe going to Pogon Sechin. So uh, where's that? In in Poland, oh, and he's he's, right. he's another one who sort of came back and left again. So I'm a little bit worried about about Norshping in general. Yeah, it looks like they're going to be losing players, but yeah, there's not much time left in the window now. So right. teams need to do a bit of business, and um, yeah, I think we will see a lot. I think we'll see more business getting done in the next few weeks. 
Yes. Okay. Well, that will do for the Swedish section of this uh, episode. Uh, join us after the break. We're going to be talking about uh, Elite Serien, also um, talking about European qualifiers. So join us after the break. By the way, before we go on break, that player was Dagestal, Philip Dagestal. So, yeah, he's left. <laughs> there you go. Welcome to part two of this week's episode of the Nordic Football Podcast. My name is Jonathan Faduba, and as ever, I'm joined by Steve Wiss. We're back for, we had a little refreshment, half-time change hands, change ends. Uh, Steve, can't start anywhere else but this Klimt game. I mean, 8-0. <laughs> <laughs> we did speak last week about the Linfield's sort of defensive uh, rigidity, let's put it that way, and you weren't very happy about it. I mean... They've taken a big spank on the arse in this one, haven't they, in terms of the result? I mean, if they if they manage to park the bus in, this, in the last game, uh, it sounds like, I don't know, a tractor's gone through the bus and, and, and just poured right through it, hasn't it? I mean, what has gone on here? How have they capitulated so badly? And what have Glimp done to turn this game around? What, what a result. Well, let's not forget Glimp to like one to ten favourites to win this second leg. Um, so it's not the hu- the biggest of shocks that they've won comfortably, but... Obviously, after the first leg, I think Glimp kind of looked at themselves and said, we've got a problem against these sort of sides this season. We need to sort it out. And they sorted it out by beating beating Yerv 5-0. And this was a similar sort of display, Jonathan, you know. And they've actually backed it with a good win at Alisson as well. But it seems like just something, I think, it definitely irks them in Northern Ireland that night. And it was like, right, we're not having this happen to us again. And they were just, it was more like the relentless nature of Buda Glimpse of, say, a year or two ago, where they just, it was impossible for Linfield to deal with them. And you can't really have a go at Linfield because it's just, they were just out of their depth when Glimpse are playing that well. And, you know, you, it makes you wonder how on earth they actually did manage to get that first leg result, really. But, um, yeah, they were just simply unstoppable. Everyone was bang on the money. And there was a couple of really good goals for uh, Buda Glimpse. In, in this game and um you know that the match was done by pretty much what 35 40 minutes i think you can't have a go at linfield says meat man soccer who spent about four minutes of last week's episode having a go at linfield but uh <laughs> moving swiftly on on that one yeah what, what a result 8-1 on aggregate in the end uh kitty mckinson came out and said we maintain pressure throughout the game uh, I've got goosebumps because of the atmosphere. And when the game is over, everyone was standing up. We've had some great experiences together. And that is what builds this Glimp product, he said. Um, so he was really praiseworthy of the fans as well, actually. Uh, he said, Glimp is getting better and better. And so are the supporters. I think the atmosphere is getting better from week to week. So maybe that's a bit of a, you know, uh, a pre- precursor to, to Barisha's comments about the atmospheres in Norway. I don't know what's going on here, but yeah, uh, massive win. I saw some of the scenes in the changing afterwards. They really, like you said, it looks like a good atmosphere. Um, and as Kit Knutson said as well, it looks like they're sort of, you know, they're, they're on it again, aren't they? You know? Yeah. They've got um, the edge again. They've got the eye of the yeah. tiger again, you know? Exactly. And just to, just to wrap up what he's kind of said, I mean, I think they've signed a few new players as well, haven't they? Glenn? Which we, we can talk about either now or, or next week. I'm not sure, but yeah, he, he just kind of, uh, they're looking ahead now because they've got, got games coming up and he, he says that they kind of pinch themselves at these games and 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 the environment and and the european matches to come 
And he said it's really important for us to, to develop this team further. And so it sounds to me like, you know, they didn't have a best of end to their last season, did they, in Europe, you know, with the Roma game and all the you know, sort of uh, nastiness around that game. It just seems like they got a little bit of their magic back, um, maybe, mm. and excitement about Europe again. They're playing Zagiris, of course, who knocked out Malmo. It's a big shame. We wouldn't get the Glimp Malmo game that we would have liked, but how, how do you see them progressing from here in Europe? For the first time, I'm actually starting to think there's there's maybe a chance that Buda Glimp could make the group stage of the Champions League. And you know, the last episode, I was kind of questioning them, wasn't I? That I didn't see that happening. But I, like things seem to have turned, things can change very quickly in football. And also, let's be honest, it's done them a massive favour by Malmo getting knocked out. And I know you've been down on Malmo all year, but Malmo would have been the favourites over two legs against Buda Glimt, I think, slightly anyway, if not a bit more. But I looked at the expected goals from Malmo against Algiris, and over the two legs, Algiris dominated 3.13 versus 1.27. Now, obviously, Malmo have not been playing very well in those matches, but I don't know anything about Algiris. Now, I'm starting to wonder, are these guys complete mugs, or are they actually going to be some sort of stubborn opposition? I mean, you Buda Glimt are strong, strong favourites to get past Algiris, and they should get past them. But I don't think they can underestimate them looking at those XG stats. But um, if they were to get through that, they'd have a one in four chance of facing FC Copenhagen. Now, that would be a tasty clash, wouldn't it? But also a one in four chance of potentially Red Star, Red Star Belgrade. Now, you know, if, if it was Red Star Belgrade for a chance of getting into the Champions League group stages, I think you'd take that, wouldn't you, really? Um, there were some other potentially really tough matches like um, Zagreb and um, I think, uh, was it one of the Swiss teams as well? But there's a realistic chance for Budaglim now, there really is. But I just wonder with Zalgiris, that are they complete mugs or not? Well, I thought they were actually quite decent against Malmo. I know Malmo were poor, but they, had, they did have one or two sort of decent forwards, I thought. Um, I think... You know, I think they mentioned was it Renan and, and one or two others. But but if you look at Glim, they scored 15 goals in their last three games. Um, back, you know, <laughs> followed that up with a 2 1 win at Arlison. You know, the 8 0 against Linfield, Vettelson, Boniface, Pellegrino, Saltness, Espiord, Pellegrino, Samstead, and Espiord again. Um, they're really flying at the moment, aren't they? Amar Pellegrino came out and said, we can't be too negative about the first leg. We, we struggle. We know, and we know we're not good enough uh, when teams are deep in their own box. But we also get a lot of half chances. And so I don't think it's as bad as people make out. Um, you know, and, and at the end of the day, it seems like they're kind of they're kind of quite confident going into the, 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 the this game coming up. Um, so I don't know. I get the feeling that maybe they, they, they even though they might not be favourites against Algiers, I don't know what, what the odds are saying, but maybe they might fancy themselves. The one thing that is interesting is that they're guaranteed uh, at minimum a place in the conference league now. Mm. So from here, there's only way is up really, isn't it? And they're guaranteed so that sort of five games, that revenue that will come in as yeah. well, which keeps, keeps Glimp kind of growing as a football club, doesn't it? As well in terms of their, their coefficient, their, their ranking in Europe. So it's, it's good times for Glimp either way, no matter what happens really, isn't it? Yeah, they're, they're celebrating that they know they're definitely in a group stage. And for them, that is an, a big achievement again. And why not celebrate yeah, that? You know, if they get past Zalgiris, they're guaranteed at least a Europa League group stage, which is worth even more. So it's it's great development from the club. And um, like I say, I'm, I think for both of these sides, it's a really big game now because the reward is is potentially really quite vast. And I'm intrigued to see how Buda Glimt tackle um, a team that Malmo really struggled to deal with. And 
I know, like I say, Malmo had difficulties there, but um, by the way, Budaglimt are one to four favourites to win the first leg. And um, I would imagine away from home, there'll be odds on as well. But um, I've just got a feeling it might not be so easy as people think. Um, uh, but I, I do certainly back them to prevail over the two legs. Yeah, now look into the league. We just mentioned there they got a win. Uh, they're now eight points off Mulder with a game in hand. They've got a game in hand as well. So, you know, if they win that game in hand, potentially five points. We did discuss can they win the title, but just as, as your opinion changed based on what you've seen in the last sort of two two games from Glimp, you know, are they, can we sort of, are they going to kind of maybe pull off some sort of second half of the season incredible comeback? You, you can't Manchester rule it United, out. Manchester United against Newcastle type thing? <laughs> you can't rule it out. And I tell you what, this Mulder will, will be starting to think, you know, damn, they're still in the race here. They had a good win against Arlesund at the weekend. Um, they deserve to win by more than a two, a one-goal margin. There was actually an incredible goal in this game from Arlesund. Christopher Odmars backen scored from the halfway line. David Beckham-esque. And actually, the second time that Arlesund have scored a goal from the halfway line in the last um, three seasons because someone did that against Mulder um, back in the COVID year. It was um, Simon Nordley. It was an incredible goal. It has to be goal of the season, really. Although the, the goalkeeper, maybe the position was a bit dodgy. But um, yeah, it was a good win for Buda Glimt. And it's, I think now they're just in this mode where they just know they've got to get results. And, you know, they've got to perform both on the domestic front and the European front. I'm certainly not ruling them out of the title at all. Um, but Molder do have a an eight-point gap. Um, with They played an extra game more, but an eight-point gap is quite healthy, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it was definitely uh, a Beckham saw Sullivan off his line for any anyone who might remember that famous commentary. Um, <laughs> absolutely unbelievable goal from Odin Marks back. And, uh, Victor Boniface scored twice in this game. And, and I've seen some rumours as well. I think we were tagged in a tweet about him maybe moving to Belgium, was it? What, what can you tell us about that and how would that affect him? Well, they've just signed Lars Jürgen Salverson from um, Strom's Godset. He was me in, in last week's uh, podcast or saying that Mulder wanted him. But uh, Budaglimp hijacked this deal and um, Yazi Jürgen Salveson has uh, opted for Budaglimp instead. Big target man striker who's quite good technically. And um, I think he gives them a bit of a physical strength up there, which they might need at times. It's a bit of a backup plan for Boniface, who has been linked with a move away from the club. I, I don't think it would be the right time for him to leave. I think it would do him good to stay, actually, at Budaglimp until the end of the season. I think he's still a bit too raw be a bit too soon but if a good offer comes in you can't knock them uh, not 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 like can you? you take the money and run if it's a really good offer especially they've already got in uh, a replacement as such yeah they've also signed uh, Nino Zugelj from Maribor I think Slovenian player I'm not entirely sure what position he plays but he's 22 years old so it looks like Glim are making moves and it's going to be well either way it's going to be a fascinating end to the title race isn't it with only sort of 13 14 games to go let's move on we do have some questions, Steve. Norway's always very popular with the questions. Um, and I'm going to ask you one of them right now. So I think next on our agenda was always going to be uh, the Sarpsborg-Lillestrom game in general anyway. But just to sort of kick you off on that, I'm going to say a question from Chris Hilliam, who's obviously been on the podcast before, at Footy and Ali Chris, a big supporter of the podcast. Hope you're well, Chris. Um, and looking forward to the season with Leeds. Um, he said, what's happened to Sarsborg last few games? Is it a case of the press doesn't work? If the press doesn't work, they are completely vulnerable. Um, they've lost 2-0 against Lillestrom. 
Uh, there's some red cards in this game and an injury. Steve, tell us tell us exactly first what happened, and then maybe if you want to take uh, Chris's question. Yeah, this was a wild game. There was a few wild games actually. There were so many chances in this match. Um, but anyone who was betting on the goals and that would have been tearing their hair out because actually, I think Sarpsborg won the XG battle in this game, if I remember correctly, having a look, uh, or nearly did two two versus two point four seven. But there was a penalty for Lillestrom in this game. There was um, the first half, Sarpsborg should be ahead. They should have got two or three goals. Um, and then right on the stroke of half time, there was a second yellow card to Jürgen Horn, who it was a last man challenge. It could have been a red automatically, really. And he walked for that. It was still quite an even game. Um, Lillestrom missed some chances. And then Lillestrom were given a very, very soft penalty, 75th minute, I think it was. For me, this wasn't a penalty. And Anton Salatros was so furious about this, he was booked for dissent. Um, and then he just kept going and kept going and kept going. And then the referee in the end said, right, I've had enough for you, and you're getting a second yellow straight away. So we got two yellow cards in the space of like 10 seconds. And he was sent to the showers early as well. <laughs> so Helen, Paul Andre Helland, I don't know why that this guy always seems to be involved when there's like controversy. He had to take the penalty, didn't he? Scored it, and then Fred Johnson got a second goal. Akor Adams uh, uh, did pick up a bad injury though for Lillestrom in this game. Um, could be ruled out for up to eight weeks with a shoulder problem, so that's bad news for them. Going back to Chris's question about Sarpsborg, I think he's right. They are uh, they're a mad team to watch. They're absolutely wild, but it's like there's no plan B with Sarpsborg at all. And if they don't get on top of a team, then they are in huge trouble because I would fancy getting chances against this uh, defense, Jonathan. Um, they just leave themselves wide open at times. They make they, they so take a lot of risks with getting the ball out from the back, and their form is actually worrying. They've lost something like eight of their last 10 in the league. It's um, or pretty wild, or certainly eight of their last 11 anyway, and um, including also got knocked out in the Norwegian Cup by Moss F. Core, who were formerly managed by Sean Constable. So they're definitely a team that they can beat anyone on the day, but they can also lose to anyone on their day. And it's like Chris said, they've only got one tactical style. No plan B. If it doesn't work and teams work them out straight away, then they're in in huge trouble. And I'm a, I don't know whether I'm getting a little bit worried about them, but I mean, just look at their their losses, and I think it's it's understandable to be concerned. I mean, I'm gonna come back with this question on Sartsburg in a minute. But just looking at Lillestrøm, uh, you know, that could be a blow for them. At Adams, you wrote about him on White Scout on the, um, one of our most recent White Scout blogs. The three points behind Mould with a game in hand. They're well in the title race at this moment in time. Um, they also beat SJK 5-2, uh, which we haven't talked about yet. Um, and they will go through now and they're playing Royal Antwerp. That's a big game on Thursday. Um, how big an injury is that for them and, and how are they going to sort of mitigate that? And then the other question in terms of Sartsburg, can you just explain a little bit about the press? Like what, what are they trying to do? Because Chris has mentioned there that if the press doesn't work. So what is what, what are Sartsburg trying to do with the press? you know, in the first place? And, and why are they so vulnerable if it doesn't come off? We'll start with the Sarpsburg because it's fresh in my mind. Um, yeah. yeah, they... What they're trying to do is they are taking risks to get the ball high up the field. And they're also taking a lot of risks when they're on the ball themselves. But they, the thing is, if they don't get the ball, their positioning is so poor and wide open that there's so many gaps and spaces for the opposition to exploit. 
it's a simple they're so high up the pitch yeah it's, yeah it's it's as simple as that really the defenders you mean yeah it's wow, okay. it's it's fairly basic really it's not like that intricate or anything um now it when it works it's it's it works really well but um it, i think they're playing at such a fast paced tempo as well maybe it's already starting to catch up with them Jonathan, I don't know because they've made also made a lot of mistakes. It might be that the manager is almost asking too much of them. Uh, perhaps um, I don't know. Remember, this is a team that came from a, a, a completely different system last year. But um, it's one of those. It's when it's good, it's really, really good. And when it's bad, it's fucking awful. To be brutally honest with you. Um, but yeah, and back to Lillis for me. I think it's a massive injury for Akor Adams. I think it's an injury, which if he is out for that long, I think it will cost them a potential chance at the title. And I think it will cost them any chance of making it through to the conference league group stages. I think that's how bad an injury it is. They've got Holmberg Fred Johnson, who's a ready-made replacement and he's good at bullying and beating up crap teams, but he doesn't have the X factor that Adams has. Adams can make something happen out of nothing. He just got that something special about him. Um, Fred Johnson will do a serviceable job. Don't get me wrong, but um, I think that's a really devastating injury. Um, and um, it's just the timing of it. it. comes at such a crucial stage of the season, Jonathan. Yeah, and it's interesting because Billborn at Hammerby was similar in terms of just like high intensity, go, go all out for it. So it's just interesting to get your point of view from a tactical point of view. Of course, uh, David Cellini interview as well. A lot of, lot of tactics were discussed in that pod. So just um, if you do want more tactics on the show, tweet us, let us know. Well, you know, maybe there's a few guests you want us to, get on the show and talk about that kind of stuff because it is fascinating at times. Um, Steve, I have to make one little public service announcement before we continue. Uh, Conference League this week, we've got uh, AIK are playing, uh, Lillestrom are playing as well. We've got Mulder playing, um, a few other teams, Viking are playing, which we'll come on to in a second. But there's another team playing called Rakov Chestochova, which I mentioned in part one. And I made a big mistake, Steve, because I said they are from uh, Czech Republic and they're actually from Poland. So apologies for that and uh, congratulations on your new signing from Sweden. <laughs> but yeah, uh, I didn't know too much about the club before that. But yeah, if anyone's listening and is deeply wounded by me uh, getting the country wrong there, then apologies. Um, Steve, we've got to talk about Viking now and yeah. this big Sligo Rovers game. Now, you're going to talk about Sligo. Uh, sorry, you're going to talk about Viking because they've somehow managed to knock out Sparta Prague. <laughs> I can't believe it in some in some ways. And then I'm going to talk about Sligo Rovers a little bit because don't ask me why, but I've watched this Sligo Rovers game against Motherwell. So I'll always remember, Steve, one of our earliest ever episodes. I think it was our second episode or third ever, bedtime for Ballymena, when loads of Ballymena fans were coming over to Norway and there was a hashtag bed for Ballymena sharing beds and stuff. And this Sligo game gives me those sort of same vibes because Sligo Rovers fans all over Twitter are really buzzing for this game after knocking out Motherwell, they've never been this far in Europe before, Sligo Rovers. A small team, well, not necessarily small, but, you know, a, a small team in terms of the European competitions, punching above their weight. And they're coming to Viking. But start. let's start with that win against Sparta Prague. What what a achievement that was. Yeah, I, I listened back to the episode uh, when we first talked about this draw, and I said Viking have absolutely no chance of going through, <laughs> didn't I? <laughs> I'm almost trying to find an excuse for myself, but um, I, I still don't know how they did manage to make it through, Jonathan, because they faced 50 shots over two legs and only, <laughs> only conceded one goal. Like, it, it was unbelievable. I mean, I think Sparta are not quite as sharp as they would like to be, obviously, but I, I actually think they're quite a good team, Sparta Prague. They look like they've got some decent players and 
you know, I feel like it's like a one in 20 chance that Viking have, have gone through here. They, they managed to hold on to a nil-nil draw away and then they actually fell behind in the second leg at home. But Vervatna scored a fantastic 25-yard equaliser. And then right at the end, the goalkeeper of Sparta Prague made a howler, um, well, along with his defender. And in, in injury time, uh, my Traore got the winner to amid incredible celebrations and what should have been Sparta Prague against Motherwell. I mean, Sparta Prague must have seen this draw and think, wow, we're going to cruise to the final qualifying round here. We'll beat Beacon, we'll beat Motherwell. And um, they're, they're knocked out. So, I mean, it's incredible that we've, we've got this. We've ended up with Viking against Sligo, uh, Sligo Rovers um, for a place. And the winner goes through to the final qualifying round. Yeah, 50 sh- you've got 50 shades of grey, but I think they might have to rename it 50 Shots of Sparta because uh, <laughs> that's pretty crazy. <laughs> to, to 50, efforts. <clears throat> 50 efforts on goal and not come through. But massive congrats to, to Viking because, like you say, I mean, the odds, the, the chart, I mean, Sparta Prague are a big club, aren't they, in terms of European football? You'd expect them to do better than that, I guess. Um, but Viking have knocked them out 2-1 on aggregate. Uh, let's talk a little bit about Sligo Rovers because, you know, they're, they're, they're not the biggest of teams, as we've said. But I think they might give Viking a, a good game here. Now, I want to ask you, for any Sligo Rovers fans listening to this podcast, what can you expect from Viking? What are they going to get? Because just to sum up this, the Motherwell game, Second leg I saw, and they 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 actually dispatched them. To be fair, um, they were they were probably the better team, and which you might not expect considering you know Irish football against Scottish football. You know, maybe a bit of a surprise there. I felt like Sligo were a sort of team who very much had an emphasis on on defending, but they got a good solid two nil win um, at home. Now they do have one or two decent players, which we'll come on to in a minute. But the tactic I think from Sligo was very much kind of rough up Motherwell. This is in the home leg rough them up, you know, don't let them have any any their way in any areas. Um, they were very physical. Uh, they scored a brilliant goal, the centre-back Blaney, uh, from distance on his left foot, absolutely cracked it in early. And then they got a late breakaway goal late on uh, from Max Matter, who's maybe someone to look out for as well. Um, and I think Motherwell just didn't really have any answers for them, Steve. They were very sort of um, one-paced. What can Sligo Rovers fans maybe expect from Viking? Because I, I think the Sligo might approach this as a sort of like low block and let's see what we can get and then maybe, you know, try and hit them on, maybe not on the counter, but, you know, maybe just kind of rough them up. So how would Viking respond to that and could they deal with that? Yeah, it was interesting to hear that you watched the uh, the, the whole second leg there. Which uh, Sligo Rovers player were you scouting, Jonathan? Because I don't think anyone Motherwell would be good enough to fit into your model, would they? Um, but... <laughs> I'm joking, I'm joking. But um, no, I tell you what, I think I, I, I do agree with you here. I think it's going to be quite a difficult tie for Viking. I think both sides are going to be on, on a massive high, obviously. But I, I tell you what, I don't think Viking will underestimate Sligo Rovers, and I certainly don't. I, one thing about Irish sides, Northern Irish, Irish teams, they 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 like to defend. And, and in a lot of instances, they know how to defend. I remember Dundalk. In, in Europe, managed to make the group stage with Mulder once, and um, they 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 will make life very difficult for for their opponents. And I think they'll come in terms of Vikings' approach. I think they'll be mindful that they need to take a lead to Ireland because they don't want to be going there having to get a result like Motherwell did. So I think Viking will try and control the game. And if they, I don't think they'll be looking to like rack up the score or anything if they get ahead. I think they would take. If you offer Viking one nil or two nil now, I think they'd take it. And I think Viking, at the moment, obviously, they've lost Berisha. They've had a few attacking issues. 
I think they, um, they're going to maybe lack a little bit of firepower right now and they're going to rely themselves on a bit of defence and to control the game and, and hopefully get, them, get themselves a goal through sheer pressure or a set piece or something. And I think something like the under is very much in play in this game. Uh, I think it'd be a cagey affair, first leg. I think Viking should at home win it. It's a good support base and it might make a big difference. But um, I could see it being a bit of a cagey game, a close one, that the, the home side um, edge in the first leg and then probably might just be able to protect it in Ireland, hopefully, from a from a from a Norwegian point of view. Yeah, not sure about uh, you know how it will go. I think it'll be like you said; it's going to be an open one. Um, Sligo Rovers actually just lost in the cup to Wexford, so that tells you a lot about the kind of the level we're looking at here in terms of you know European football. But I think they rested a lot of players for that match. It seems from the from the lineup, um, it went to extra time as well. By the way, so don't know how that might affect the tie. But like you say, maybe maybe a bit of tiredness, or maybe the main players might have been rested for it and be ready. Um, tickets are actually sold out for this game. Sligo really excited about it. Um, you know, and, and in general, I think it's going to be quite an exciting affair. I, th- I think there's a lot of excitement about it. They've also been allowed at uh, Sligo, they're going to be allowed to play at their home ground. I think there was comments that the ground grading meant that they might have had to move their stadium somewhere else, which I, I never like. I always think that it, within reason, you know, you should be able to play at your stadium as far as you get. I mean, imagine, can you imagine if Sligo got all the way to, say, the semi finals of the Champions League? I always feel like it'd be nice if they could just play in their stadium. It kind of balances things out in a certain extent but then I do get the safety and kind of maybe wanting bigger attendances so I can see both sides but it looks like they're going to be allowed to play at their own stadium which is going to be good for their fans it's going to be a crazy atmosphere they've never been this far in Europe so um we got a little prediction for this game do you think Viking will come through I think from looking at the draw they could face Villarreal the winners of this match as well I think the draw is coming up soon but they're one of the potential opponents I've got a prediction for the first leg I'm going to go 2-0 to Viking and I think the second leg might be 1-0 to Sligo Rovers. I think it's going to be close. But, of course, I've got to back our Norwegian team on, on this podcast, haven't I? But I, I, I think well done to really massively well done to both teams to making it this far that nobody expected. And I hope uh, we get uh, two good games between two pa- very passionate uh, supporters, I'm sure. Yeah, and the first leg is, of course, in Norway, as you've said. Uh, but a lot of travelling fans, a bit like the Balamina one. But if you're a Sligo Rovers fan... Tweet us if you're listening to this. Let us know, uh, you know, your thoughts uh, on Viking. Let us know how the game goes. I hope you enjoy it. And I'm very sure that it will be a very merry festival of football in that game. I think there'll be, I think both sets of fans will enjoy it. I think even Viking have tweeted about their excitement about the game. So I think it's going to be played in good sort of, in good Mm, spirit. It will. um, Yeah. I think on the pitch, it'll be fiercely contested because I think Sligo, they do have a bit about them, and I can I can expect a few meaty challenges in the game. Um, <laughs> other teams that are involved, Yugan uh, travelled to Sepsi, OSK. It's always an education these pods, isn't it? And that's in Romania. Uh, another team I don't know much about, but I'd, I'd, I'd have Yugan as favourites there. Um, as we mentioned, Malmo are playing Dudelange. Uh, that's uh, in the Europa League qualifiers at home. Uh, so they're from Luxembourg. Um, so... Yeah, do the lounge. Where's my car? Maybe for any Mahmo fans who get sort of lost, lost. HJK play Maribor away from home. Um, but yeah, no, it's gonna be it's gonna be good. I think there's quite a few interesting ties this, this week. Uh, ARK are playing Skendija um, as well. I think that Lillestrøm Antwerp game is a, is a big one. You know, Royal and, and Antwerp. Why are they called Royal Antwerp? I know they used to be a feeder, feeder club of Manchester United. I don't know the ins and outs of their club history, mm. um, but. Yeah, I think that. I mean, in terms of level of team, they're a good team. 
Uh, we need to ask a Belgian podcast, don't we? The Belgian football podcast about Royal Antwerp. Well, they've got a good so. player called Mitchell Balikwisha out front, so keep an eye out for him, I think, if you're watching that game. Um, but yeah, no, apart from that, uh, Mulder playing Kizvada, again, a team from, uh, I think Hungary. from Hungary. First time so they've ever lot, been in Europe. Of, yeah, a lot of games, but let's move on because we'll talk mm. about Europe next week. Uh, we do have some more questions before we wrap this show up. Steve, what are your thoughts uh, on the following question that we have from an old friend of the pod, Joe Gould? I've got to ask, uh, I've got to give him a shout out. He has um, asked about Rosenborg and their signings. Uh, we don't. We're going to talk about their signings. I think a bit more detail in weeks to come, Joe. But just want to ask you, Steve. Just the final part of his question is uh, at twelve. Yank. He says, "Do you think that the signings put them in the title race, or is it too soon?" Just very like one word, one sentence answer. Do you think they're in the title race or not? No, not this season. But they can get a medal. Yeah, they are. Co- Currently fourth, uh, three points behind Glimt in third. And this week they have had a win at odd, 3-2. Um, you actually tipped that game on the weekend preview show, I think, didn't you, Steve? Well, you mentioned it anyway. Um, um, no, maybe you didn't. I think I did with that one, actually. Yeah, but we did have a question about odd as well. Uh, so that's, that leads me on to my next question, really. That was Scooby, I think. Was yeah, Scooby Man odd. again. Mm. What is happening with odd? What can we expect from them in the near future? We haven't talked about them for a few weeks. Uh, they're 10th. What can we expect? Well, do you know what, Scooby? Your guess is as good as mine. I don't know what to expect from them. Um, I do know that the goalkeeper, Leopold Valstadt, continues to make some great saves. He's actually faced them, uh, made the most saves of any goalkeeper in the league this season. 72 saves. Um, so that kind of tells you one thing about Odd, that they do leave themselves open to being being shot on. It was This was another crazy game. Odd against Rosenborg, 3-2 win for Rosenborg. There were so many chances. Um, and this could have ended like 5 all. Like genuinely, I couldn't believe how open it was. And uh, it's interesting that Rosenborg have signed this guy from the um, the Icelandic league that everyone's been talking about. And I'm just trying to find his name now because it's gone off my tongue. It's the guy from the Icelandic league, which I'm going to have to edit this bit out. Bollocks. No, it's Kasper Tengstedt and Kristal Magni Ingerson. That's it. Ingerson. The guy from Iceland. Uh, the um, he supposedly got a very uh, high ceiling. I saw someone comment on. Um, I've not seen him in action, so I can't comment. I'll have to judge him when uh, he comes into the. Yeah, Crystal Manny Ingerson from Vikinger Reykjavik. He actually scored against Malmo in the Champions League qualifier in the first leg, and he was suspended for the second leg. But um, oh, he's a, was he the guy who took his shirt off? He was, wasn't he? And got um, sent off for that. I remember now, but um, yes, yeah, so it sounds like he's a very exciting player. He can play in loads of different positions in attack and midfield. So uh, that's an exciting one to look out for uh, with Rosenborg. I'm sure we'll talk about him again soon. As for Odd, though, I just don't know. I cannot make head or tail of this team at the moment. Um, they're very much living up to their name tag. They they look good one minute and then the next minute they look terrible. So. Scooby, I, I, I don't know. I wish I could answer this question a bit better, but um, they... Uh... It sounds like, let's be fair, Steve, you don't have a Scooby. I don't have uh, a Scooby, no, so I don't know. Thanks for the question. <laughs> I, I did try to give you the out there with the players saying we'll talk about them next week, but you you duck straight back into it. I can't so, help. Uh, I, I don't help myself fair sometimes, enough. do I? <laughs> but thanks to Joe for the question and at Scooby Man as well. Um, we will talk about them, as I say, in a bit more detail in the weeks to come. I'm sure, Steve, you'll have a lot. You'll be a lot more prepared for that. Um but let's move on to another question that we have 
uh, two questions, in fact, one about Hamcam and one about Christensen. Now, the question we have is from Team Overs at Here for Football, uh, lower supporter of the podcast. He says, the fall of Christensen, what WTF is going on? Um, he also asked a question about watching Ausfence game games in the States. So up your game, States. Why haven't you got the rights? What's going on? Um, it's a great league. Four all draws all over the place by the rights. Um, and then we also have a question. I think it's related, isn't it? Because these two played each other, didn't they, Steve? Yeah. Uh, at It's Manico 8. Uh, it's Manico says, simply, why can't Ham Cam score? <laughs> yeah. And I, I know they annoyed a lot of people um, in the betting world on uh, Saturday, including myself, actually, because I was on over two and a half in that game against Christiansen. It ended 1-0 to Christiansen. And to be honest, none of us can really complain uh, because it was a completely deserved undermatch. And the there was a very, very low XG uh, for both sides in this fixture. Actually, it was such a tame fixture. 0.55 against 0.71. It was more like a French league dirt game, wasn't it, for expected goals. And I I, I just didn't see this coming because Christiansen got beat in midweek by Sanderfield. And to be honest, that after that loss, I'm thinking... They are 110% done. That was their their last chance, I felt. And I thought they'd be demoralised. And I thought, to be honest, they would roll over quite easily for Ham Cam, who had had a full week of rest. But I don't know what was going on with Ham Cam here. They just couldn't seem to... They didn't get going. Um, Christensen actually fought really hard, in, in fairness to them here. They didn't give up. And they were... As soon as they got the lead, they just kind of they were like a dog with a bone. And uh, they wouldn't let go of it. And... Um, I just, I, I'm really surprised that it's such a been such a poor defence this year, Christiansen. They've conceded so many goals. Hamcam just they couldn't really lay a glove on them. It was strange. I, I don't know. Um, I feel like Hamcam have gone into their shell a bit too much recently. They've drawn a lot of fixtures, and I've always said, uh, in whatever league across the world, in the end, if you draw too many games, it can really bite you on the ass. It just can. You you need to get wins uh, draws are nice in some ways but if you get too many of them it doesn't really do you any favors and i just feel like they have lacked a few goals in the last few uh weeks last couple of months maybe and, and like i said just maybe gone into their shell a little bit too much understandably at times as well by the way we can't expect too much of amcam because they're, they're recently promoted and uh you know if they just finish one place above the drop zone, it's job done for them. But um, it, it was a worrying performance from them against Christiansen. A lot of people would have expected them to win that match quite easily, I think. Yeah, and do you want to sort of elaborate a bit on WTF is going on with Christiansen? Or, I mean, it seems like to me, Steve, um, the upcoming transfer winner is going to be very pivotal, isn't it, in this relegation battle? Uh, I get the feeling that, I mean, although Jerv and Jerv, sorry, and Christiansen are kind of looking adrift, you know, between Haugerson, Tromsø, Hamcam, Salzburg, Odd, Sanderfjord, even maybe even Arlesund, it still seems like a lot could happen, isn't it? Based on how the window goes, who signs who, who loses who. Do, do you do you agree with that? And mm. you know, to answer here for football's question, what WTF is going on with Christiansen? Yeah, um, then I did say in in a couple of recent podcasts they were never as bad as a uh, a two point team or a team that hadn't won a game of football um, this season, but. That was the first time they looked like they could keep a, a clean sheet, really, and um, that will do them the world of good. They're not completely dead yet. They've got a. They're still eleven points adrift of the nearest potential safe position. That's the playoffs. So they've got a lot of work to do. Let's be realistic. It's going to be mega hard. Yerv, I think, are going to be. 
I actually think Yeovil finished bottom. They look really out of their depth right now. But yeah, Christiansen, yeah, I mean, what has been going on with them this year? I think I've said it on several other podcasts that just everything seems to have gone wrong for them. They conceded goals at the wrong time when they've got ahead in games. They've kind of, I mean, last week they were two 0 up against Odd at half time and then blew it in, blew it in the second half, drew, draw to all. Um, like I said, I, I credit to them for actually keeping their heads up against um, Hamcam because they could have easily just rolled over and given up. And but they, they they look like they've got a bit more fight back in, and they've got a massive game in midweek against Tromso. I think Wednesday night, if they can win that, that gets them up to eight points and. You know, then I think they can start to think, you know, we've got a chance here if we have a better second half of the season. I don't think they've really got an awful lot in terms of resources to bring players in in August. We know that their finances are not great. So um, I think it's a huge ask for Christiansen, but um, it's given them a crumb of comfort. And, you know, in terms of Hamcam, they'll be looking over the shoulder a bit now because they're only two points off the playoff spot and Tromso have got two games in hand. So, yeah, like for them, it was not a good, not, not a good outcome. Yeah, I mean, to be fair to Christensen, they, they did win. They did get a win. Mm. Um, good finish from As back, uh, sort of across, and he, he, he sort of dipped in the back post, popped up and, and got a crucial winner for them because they need points. You know, that's that's the first win of the season. I mean, it's incredible. Yeah, it's ridiculous, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely incredible ridiculous. to be saying that in July, mm. uh, even August now. Um, but yeah, that's a Christopher Asback huge goal potentially. Maybe could kickstart a revival. So thanks so much. Uh, here for football team overs, we we really appreciate your support. I know you're a big supporter of the pod. Um, Christensen next have Tromso and then Mulder at home, so uh, they play actually Tromso twice. So these are the games that really could start to define their season. Um, so we've got two more little things you wanted to talk about before we wrap up. I mean, I mean, to be fair, Steve, if if Christensen get six points from Tromso, you know, they're kind of back into it, but that's a, still a big ask, isn't it? But in terms of Tromso, uh, that's the first win in eight games you, you, you've mentioned mm. here. Um, you just want to wrap up by talking about Tromso and Yerv. Just an interesting stat before I talk about them. Eight, 80% of Christiansen's points this season have come against Hamcam because they also got a draw against them in the season. So that's a mad statistic, isn't it? Um, Tromso, yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, they've got, they're facing Tromso uh, twice uh, in, in fairly quick succession, I think, soon. So Tromso got a first win in eight games, 3 0 against Sanderfjord. I think it was just one of them games where three games in a week caught up with Sanderfjord, to be honest, and they just looked a bit tired and missed a few chances and uh, a bit sloppy. But, I mean, I did say in the pre-season podcast that I, I didn't think it was going to be a straightforward year for Tromso, and I still don't think it will be. But um, for them now, they've really got to make the most of these games in hand. I think a, a few of them are at home. And they need to to kick on, but it was a much better result for them. They've got a, for me a striker problem. They just don't have a natural striker in their squad who is going to finish some chances, because at the moment they're going with August Mickelson up front, who for me is not. He's he's better. He hasn't probably had such a good year finishing as, as he would have imagined, but he's not what you call a natural striker. Um, really, they they need to look in this window and get a proper number nine because it's just eluded them for a long time now. If they could get a good number nine, I think they'd be all right, Tromso. But uh, a much needed result for them, um, for sure, and uh, it gets them to 16 points. And um, there's a few teams down there. I think, yeah, I mean, talking about Yerv now, just, they look completely out of their depth, like they're getting battered each week in terms of XG terms, they're just not good enough for quality and, um. It, yeah, I'd be surprised to me if they don't finish bottom of the table and they'll end up being... They might get themselves to like 20 points or something um, or even like 2022, but I just don't see them 
surviving, John, I think it would um, really take some uh, a big turnaround for me, for them now. Yeah, and they've had a, a big, big loss at the weekend, as you've mentioned just there. Uh, they're still, well, they're second from bottom, but they're still only five points off it. But yeah, like you say, uh, four defeats in a row now. 10 goals conceded in their last two games. It's not looking great for year. Well, I think a decent win for them. Yeah, there was a question um, about Bottom, I think. From who? Uh, Lewis, again, Lewis Delameda. <laughs> but, I've missed um, this question. I don't see the tweet. Yeah, he asked, Volerenga is coming off four solid wins in a row and showing much better football. Did the big dog Alo Fagomo decide to shake things up, up or was it just because they've got a nice run of uh, fixtures? And I think I kind of touched on this on the last episode that um, I didn't believe he could get a tune out of this squad much more, but I don't think he's changed a lot tactically. I think something has been said in-house, Jonathan, basically to shake up the players. Um, and... Yeah, you can't question his management and motivation after that, can you, really? They've been a bit more positive on the field. And, of course, it has helped they faced some poorer teams. But this is as good a football I've seen Volarenga play in two or three years. Like, genuinely, it's been... They actually look good to watch. They're on the front foot. They're playing nice football. And, um, you know, if this continues, they, they could be... And, and they, they they sign well in, in, in August. They could be a real nightmare, handful of an opponent for any team because they do have plenty of quality as well. Yeah, I've just found found it now and I'll mention somewhere. Uh, we had a lot of questions this week, actually, so fair play. Thanks a lot. Uh, Tolas Nacion, Ugland, Layuni, Bjordal, Richman, Simze and Diko Eng with the goals in that game. Um, Wallerenga starting to, like you say, uh, turn things around maybe as well. So... That's all for this week, I think. Uh, unless yeah. there's anything else you want to say, but thanks so much for all the questions. We're going to be we're going to be back uh, to also talk about Denmark soon um, with Henry and maybe have a few more interviews as well in the next few weeks. So keep uh, it peeled on the Nordic Football Podcast. You can subscribe on YouTube, um, please do, and you can listen to your episodes there or watch them if you like. Uh, on Patreon, we have our bonus episodes, weekend preview shows, and also uh, player profiles. Um, good profile from Steve this past week. And we've also had Mahanad Ye's profile on their video scouting reports. Um, and what else is there? Yeah, that we got on Twitter as well at Nordic Footpod. You can comment and let us know what you think. Subscribe on Spotify or iTunes and never miss a pod. So thanks a lot. It's going to be interesting in Europe this week and we will recap everything next week again. So uh, good to be with you, my friend again. And we shall chat soon. You've said everything that needs saying there, Jonathan. So I'll, all I need to say now is goodbye and take care. And we'll see you next time. Have a good one.